It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Hi, you guys. I'm going to start with one word, garages. It's a rare garage that's, you know, perfectly clean, pristine, and houses just the car. Have you ever seen one? Because I have not, right? Garages often turn into catch-alls for, you know, everything you don't want to see in the house but can't let go of. Old bicycle parts, furniture you're done with and think, oh, okay, one day I'm going to donate it. Or it's where you stash your tools, secondhand fridge. But let's look at garages through a totally different prism, one where they become a magical place, fertile ground for sprouting dreams, which later can turn to unbelievable, unimaginable success. I want to tell you about a grungy garage in the Koreatown section of Los Angeles. It's where my guest today planted her seed of an idea for computer programs that the fashion industry could use to more efficiently and creatively design clothes, and where that idea grew into a business she later sold for nine figures. Ah, but wait. She did it all without any money and as a single mom trying to juggle a janitor job and college at the same time. How did Sabrina Kay do that? I am dying to find out. She's my guest today on Everyone Talks to Liz. Welcome, Sabrina. Hi, Liz. How are you? I am great. I mean, right? Hewlett-Packard, Google, Yankee Candle, Apple, Harley-Davidson, Mattel. I mean, the list goes on of all of these companies that started in garages, just like yours. It's the cheapest and the most efficient place to start a business. <laughs> right? <laughs> but but you didn't own yours, right? I mean... I- no. No. It was a garage space in Koreatown. It was right next to a department store called iMagnet and had a garage door. And here's one thing about this garage that really saved me. I started in March of 1992. And I had no money. We took out about 20 different credit cards, mine, my parents' name, because we had no credit and didn't speak any English at that time, just moved to the United States. We were able to take out a lot of credit cards. So we were in a really desperate situation and um, started, you know, we'll probably get into it, how I got to the computer software and all that stuff. But I saw the software coming into the fashion industry And I was completely convinced that the future of the fashion industry lie in this computer technology. And I really wanted to make this work. Um, So I saw this garage space in Koreatown right next to iMagnet store. There are cockroaches all over. You're kidding. It was seriously, I mean, the cockroaches as big as mouse. Um, And (laughs) it was pretty much the space that was completely abandoned with the pull-down metal garage door. Sure. So I went in and asked him that I would like to rent the space. And he said, the landlord said, sure, you know, it's like no one wants it. What would you like to do? I told him I want to start a computer college that teach fashion designers and pattern makers. And he goes, 
oh, Fashion Computer College. Never heard of it. (laughs) (laughs) Because it didn't really exist, right? In 1992, fashion industry did not use computers. And he, sure enough, knew that I was going to fail. So he gave me six months lease. And I started killing cockroaches. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that was that was the beginning of of the first business. Oh, I love this. My parents this. came, yeah, and helped out, cleaned out the garage, and uh, we we put uh, carpet on the garage so that it looks a little bit more like an office space. And I also put mirrors because there were no windows, and I didn't want students students to feel that they are kind of in a garage, a grungy space. So uh, put mirrors and uh, also put murals on, on, on the walls. So it kind of looked a little bit more lively than regular garage space. That's how I started. Well, let's go back to the original start. And that is that you came to this country with your family. You weren't four years old or anything. You were, what, 18 yeah, I was a grown-up, and it was actually more difficult because you're already plugged into the society, and you're supposed to be a functional adult at 18. You know, you're supposed to go to college. You're supposed to have friends. <laughs> you're supposed to have your life kind of getting started. And you had none of but that. I had none of that. Did you even speak English? I did not speak a word of English. There was English class in South Korea at that time, but there was no non-Koreans in living in Korea. So our English teacher actually were Koreans who didn't speak in English. (laughs) (laughs) That's helpful. Hilarious, right? So when I came to the United States, I thought I spoke English when I said, thank you. No one understood what I said because we didn't really, we never heard American or even English sound in English. We just learned a few things in textbooks, but even the grammar and everything else, it's all wrong. Everything and was a mess. I know what you know. Everything was a mess. What you yeah. learn in school, even with French, I was a French major, and you know, they say, How are you? Comment allez vous? Nobody says it like that. They say, Ça va? Right. Ça va? Right. It's not comment right. allez vous. Right away, they're like, eh, You're from out of town. <laughs> but but that, you did not. Not only even that, have... you probably had a French teacher, right? I did. I did. French. That is a huge difference. But that must have been almost paralyzing to arrive here. I'm guessing you did not have a plan for college. And no. you did get a job, I would I would figure. You got to help the family, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, I tried to get a job at Wendy's fast food store. Yeah. And they totally rejected me because obviously without speaking English, you cannot really serve on a fast food restaurant. Okay. They didn't even let me... Um, fill out an application. So I became a janitor, cleaning office buildings at night, um, scrubbing floors and cleaning the bathrooms. And our entire family became janitors. And then during the weekend, um, we got a job. Actually, I first got a job at a laundromat doing fluff and fold other people's laundries and folding them and, and so forth. And then I read a Korean newspaper 
that was translated from English newspaper, I'm sure it was LA Times or something, that stated computers are coming into the fashion industry. And they were talking about computers can actually draw, change the colors and so forth. And I was fascinated. Ever since I was a little, I grew up with robots and machines because I had two younger brothers. And oh, so robot toys. Robot toys. Right, yes. robot. Oh, yeah. Robot toys. No, <laughs> no, no. no. Like small, you know, small little robots yep. that kind of walk around and just shoot things at each other. Yep. Th- those are, so I never had a dolls. I was always interested in these machine, you know, how machines and, and humans kind of interact. And even wound up dolls were just really fascinating to me. Uh, So I wanted to study computer science in college and little time that I spent at my undergrad, that was my, my study. I studied like COBOL and Fortran, all these useless computer languages. Oh, sure. Like Pascal and all of that (laughs) stuff. Exactly right. Exactly right. Now we're aging ourselves. We really are because I was at UC (laughs) Berkeley in 1980 something and uh, That's exactly right. <laughs> they would, they, you know, there were four computers in the computer science lab, and everyone would take turns to learn this whole language, Pascal, just to have one tiny little function spit out. But I mean, we've come a long way. But you were there we've in the become beginning. A long way. That's exactly right. So when I saw that article, I was just totally convinced that fashion industry will be computerized. No matter how creative the industry is, without the computer functions, it's not going to be as efficient as it should be. So I literally made a cold call to the software company that the article was talking about. Were they based in Los Angeles? The phone number that was given, the, the company was actually based on French, France. Okay. Uh, it was a French company. But the phone number that was on the article was the LA branch of the office. Okay. And, you know, my entire life is about when the student is ready, teacher appears, and the person who answered the phone was the regional vice president of the company. And much, much later, his name is John Robinson. And much later I asked him, how did you answer the phone? And he said, the receptionist went to the bathroom, the phone was ringing, I was walking by, so I picked up the phone. Wow. And if he didn't pick up the phone, there's absolutely no way that I would have gotten an appointment with him. But wait, so what did you say? He picks up the phone? He picks up the phone and I said, I read an article in Korean newspaper, very broken English, but this is like one of the nicest, kindest and the most patient human you will ever meet. (laughs) So he just, if it was a receptionist, I'm sure she would have hung up on me. So when he picked up the phone, I told him I could, I could teach your software in Korean and there are a lot of Korean fashion designers and pattern makers in Los Angeles. You can sell a lot of software to Koreans. So he, I'm sure, just didn't think anything of it. And he goes, why don't you come to the office next week? And he gave me the time and date. Oh, were you just so excited? I was very excited. And I told that to my dad. And he said, 
you know, let's go to Korean Java market, which is where all the fashion designers and pattern makers are. Let's talk to them and see why they're not using the computer and if they would use it. So I started literally doing my market research uh, because we were we were cleaning their stores. So we knew a lot of the owners um, and we, we told them that we'll do extra clean and we will come come in a little bit early to talk to you. Is that okay? So we went and talked to a lot of different Korean fashion designers and pattern makers and job owners. And what they have told me is that one, the software is too expensive, but most importantly, because no one knows how to use it, they really don't want to buy the software because oh, they don't want to train anybody. Got it. So what I told them when I went to John Robinson, see John Robinson, I told them is I can teach them so you can package the Korean computer people with your software, mm-hmm. and then you can sell it to Korean designers and pattern makers. Brilliant. And he thought it was a good idea. And so you so, started teaching in the garage. In that garage. So he told me that, well, we have software that is dedicated. So he, he's not the owner, right? So he can't just give them to me. Mm-hmm. He said, we have software that is dedicated to schools and universities. So if you work for a school or you have a school or you start a training school, then I can donate the software to you. You don't have to buy it. The software at that time was like $250,000. It was Uh, really expensive mm -hmm. software. But, you know, as you know, software, just a floppy disk at that time. Right. And it wasn't costing them anything. So for them, that was like worth donating to university and schools who could give the training. Nobody was interested. So they were having a hard time. And I said, I would do it. Small little problem. I didn't know how to start a college. (laughs) This is Everyone Talks to Liz, and we're going to be right back. I know a lot of you have had this experience because for those of us who in 2020 were all sent home and we were stuck in a lockdown during the pandemic, we had a lot of time on our hands and I saw an ad for Masterclass and I thought, I want to better myself. I want access to all of these brilliant people who teach you things. With Masterclass, you can learn from the best to become your best. Masterclass is the only streaming platform where you can learn and grow with more than 200 plus of the world's best and smartest. For just under 10 bucks a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to every instructor. And I don't care, you can wake up one morning and say, I want to learn about business. And then another where you say, I want to learn how to survive in the wild if I have no water and no fire to make me warm. You can access Masterclass on your phone, on your computer, smart TV, or even in audio mode. And the classes totally make a difference. Don't wait another moment to start your learning journey with Masterclass. Right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com slash Liz. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash Liz. Masterclass.com slash Liz. Let me guess. I already know what kind of person you are. You just dove in and started a college. 
Yeah, I figured it out. So I um, went to the library and started digging all kinds of ways to start a training school, start a college, how to be accredited and all of that. And uh, came came back and got the garage space, started filling out all the applications from the city and the state. And that was really the humble beginning of Art Institute of Hollywood. Did you feel at any point during this very early stage, this is not going to work? I mean, were there moments where people said, no, that you can't do that. We can't allow you to do this. You know, regulation in any state is very difficult here in America. Talk about the the really big doors that got slammed in your face initially that you had to figure out a way to open. There were so many doors that was slammed on my face, but I didn't know that. When you don't know, it's not that painful. It's not that much of suffering. We, as humans, make up stories, and those stories create suffering. And human species are probably the only species that I know of that creates suffering on top of a pain. I had a lot of pain for doors being slammed on my face, but I didn't know how to suffer because I was not creating any other stories. I was a single mom, didn't have any money, didn't speak English. I was in a very, very desperate situation. I did not have a luxury to suffer. So I just chugged along. There were no other stories that was created in my head other than I am going to be a role model for my daughter and I'm going to provide for her to be comfortable in this country. I feel like I'm hearing you say suffering is a choice and you chose not to suffer. Or I wasn't that wise. I chose, I did not know suffering was available to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you just, you didn't have the time or the inclination because you had so much more on your plate and in your lap. Uh, And your daughter, how old was she right at this point? She was two years old. You, You know, you hear the pause here for me because I am so amazed that you were doing all of this with a two-year-old. Did you get any sleep? I mean, were there points where you were just exhausted? I was sleeping four hours a day for about 20 years. Wow. And that just became part of my DNA. I was never tired. My doctor tells me now that I have to sleep a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And also the suffering is, is another thing. After I sold my business, and I had enough money to retire for the rest of my life, I started suffering a lot more because that luxury was available to me. Uh. And I started making up a lot of stories. So it's interesting that I spend a lot of time, money, and energy go back to where I first started, which was not having stories made up in my head and not to suffer, and just to do what's in front of me, and being totally present, 100% present, and just today, I have to fill out an application. Yep, 
and and, and the application figure it out. I mean, there's a sure. song, there's a song by Carly Simon, one of my dad's favorite singers, and, and it's called, mm. she says, I haven't got time for the pain. I haven't got room for the pain. Yeah. You just got to forge ahead, which is what yeah. you did. Can you just describe a little bit about what this software did? Because I want our listeners to be able to sure. visualize. So let's just say I have a piece of fabric. What does it do? It's called grading. So you make the pattern right? Pattern of, mm-hmm. let's say, torso. And if, if you want to make all these different sizes from zero to 16, you have to manually calculate each pattern blocks and then make a 16 different blocks Got to cut the, cut the fabric. Okay. Computer with one button can do all those pattern blocks. Wow. And Today, you know, if you think about it, of course, computer can do that. But at that time, that was a reaction. People are like, wow, (laughs) right? Well, they had to do all of this by hand before. All of them. And the next step is called a marking. So you put all these fabric, all these patterns on the fabric, depending on how you put it, the usage of a fabric is vastly different. Because you can make it very efficient or you can make it very inefficient. So throwaway part of the fabric is very, very expensive. And you have to cut these fabrics two or three layers at a time. So if you done a bad job and you do that 20 times, oh, yeah. then it becomes really expensive with the fabric. Got it. Right? Computers can do it up to like 95% efficiency. No human could even fathom doing that. And before it was like people on top of the marker making t- pattern table, right. throwing patterns at each other to <laughs> move things. And that was how manually it was done. And and hand cutting and all of that. I mean, and hand now- cutting. That was that was the thing that totally sold me. I saw the plotter that cuts the fabric. You can put like a hundred different fabrics, hundred layers of fabric, mm-hmm. compress it down, and then water jet cutter mm-hmm. that cuts diamonds would cut the fabric perfectly in one cut where it would have taken forever for you know these pattern cutters to cut those manually with the pattern seizures. It feels like it's a boon to manufacturing and the speed at which you can churn these dresses or whatever it is you choose to do, you can churn them out. I, what I find also incredible is that this garage that you were doing all of this in was next to iMagnon. Now, for those of you who don't know, iMagnon was like Saks Fifth Avenue back in the day, yeah. right? I mean, it was yeah. really nice. Sometimes, yeah. I, did you ever walk into your garage, whether it was late at night or early in the morning, and think to yourself, one day, the the dresses that this software is making are going to make it into iMagnon? You know, I wish I could say yes, because it sounds so, you know, glamorous and I was ambitious and I had a dream, but no, you know, I was literally just doing my job. I, I didn't have those dreams. I didn't have those ambitions. I was just doing what was given to me at that time. I was not suffering. I was also not dreaming. Hmm. All of that came later. You now, know, I was dreaming a lot more and I was suffering a lot more when I made it. It but feels like first, it feels like you, you were just putting one foot in front of another each exactly and every right. day. 
This is Everyone Talks to Liz, and we're going to be right back. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clayman. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clayman right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clayman. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If I had told you, if I knocked on that pull-up door of the garage and said, on your third day of being in there, one day you're going to sell this for eight figures, what would you have said? I never dreamt of it. I didn't even know how it's possible to sell a business. I was just a 20-something naive girl who just came to the United States, became a single mom, and needed a job. But you made the job. You made. You didn't make a job. You made a life. When did you realize this is this is really big? We get to expand beyond the garage. You know, it happened actually pretty quickly. Okay. So, nineteen ninety two March is when I started teaching students in that garage space. Months later, L.A. riot happened. And you remember, I Magnum was so rooted, yes. and the entire Koreatown was burnt down. Yeah. And I was right next to I Magnum. And just remember that day watching TV because my mom was so scared that she didn't let me go outside of the house. Yeah. And I wanted to get to the school to make sure the computers are safe because we had 20 credit card bills <laughs> and I couldn't afford to lose those computers. And I wanted to go and protect it. And she goes, like, if you go there and get hurt, it will be a lot more expensive than mm. losing those computers. And she just like grabbed me and didn't let me go outside of the house. We were watching TV and they were showing iMagnon <gasps> on camera. It was all being rooted and being on fire. But the camera didn't go right next to it. Oh, were you scared? I was so scared that all these rooters will go to the, you know, go to the building next to it. And if you remember it, although iMagnon was really very fancy store, yes. stores around the iMagnon was a pretty, you know, in a dire space space you Correct. know they were not really luxurious and there were garages and there were some kind of like strip shopping malls around mm -hmm. and they weren't showing any of that so the next day I went there and the entire block was just burnt down oh. and there was nothing left and I went to my garage space and pulled up the metal door and Everything inside was not touched because it was a metal door, no windows, nothing was hurt. It's almost so I, as if. It was what, like what, a miracle. A miracle. A miracle. miracle. 
Yeah. It was the only place that was not touched because it was like a garage door and no one wanted to, you know, go and break that metal door. So everything was safe. There was like a, there was not an inch of damage in the entire place. And I started a school again the next day as if nothing ever happened. And here's another thing that happened with L.A. Riot. Korean television station did not have enough people to help telling the story. And a friend of mine was a producer in Korean television station called Channel 18, KTAN. And he asked me if I could come and help. (laughs) I've never done TV before. (laughs) And he goes, well, you know, you're good looking. You can, you know, <laughs> like, okay, whatever. I mean, you, you're going to look really great on camera. So why don't you go and do the small story, you know, which is like UCLA students are having a rally to tell the American media that um, this is not Korean and black issues. Right, These are right. more of a social economical issues. Mm-hmm. So Koreans and Blacks are not enemies, but media is making it sound like it's a Korean and Black issues. Which it really was so not at all. It was not. And it it kind of like actually the story evolved. But at that time, because of the liquor store owner, Korean liquor store owner shot a Black kid mm-hmm. and that just became sensation. Mm-hmm. And because, I mean, it was just a mess. So I went and did that story. And um, somehow, everyone just, it just touched hearts of a lot of Korean people, because we did not want to be a victim. We didn't, we wanted our story to be told. Yes. After that story was aired, next day, Korean newspaper put me (laughs) on the first page on Korea Times as the pioneer of next generation. So don't tell me they offered you a job at the TV station. They did. So (laughs) the TV station asked me to do a weekly TV show. um, And it was about like assimilating into America. So I cooked turkey on TV. (laughs) I (laughs) talked about how Americans dress in uh, different things. And I did a lot of fashion stuff as well, just to, you know, it was a couple years of a full 30 minute infomercial of my school. Oh, my goodness. And I paid zero advertising dollars. And the college grew and grew and grew two, three X every single year, ever since we started and became the top four fashion colleges in America. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my. So I want our listeners to really absorb everything that you have have just described to us, because then it comes to the point where you sold the business. You decided to then go back to school. You went to Wharton, correct? University of Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. And now you take the success that you've had and you are a major philanthropist. What is what is the path you look ahead to, having had such a rich and self-generated life so far? What's next? I love America. 
there is no other country in this world as good as America. I think Americans don't appreciate how great America mm. is. Mm. You know, as an immigrant coming to this country and having the type of opportunities that was given to me, I cannot imagine this could be possible anywhere in the world. But when I look at the education system and healthcare system in this country, it is kind of like an American crime. It only happens in America, number one economy in the world. Mm -hmm. And our education system is 26, 27 in 30 developed countries. So we're at the bottom of the barrel. So a lot of my philanthropy has always been in the inner city education. The way we create middle America in this country is giving opportunities to middle of America. Yes. Giving opportunities to inner city youth. But can I interrupt you here? You know, you weren't given any opportunity. Of course I have. America has given the opportunity. This is a country that has given opportunities to anyone who is willing to work hard. Okay. Okay. I see that. I see that. But it is it is an incredible opportunity. If I were in Korea yep. and was a single mom and didn't speak Korean, there is absolutely, I can tell you 100%, no way I could have started a business. Hmm. That could not have happened. There is absolutely no way a president of a software company would meet with me and say, okay, I'm going to give you an opportunity. There's absolutely no way that I could send an application and that application would be approved in South Korea at that time. Mm -hmm. Of course, the opportunity was given to me. And I would love to give that opportunity to our inner city kids in America because their dreams and their ambition is what we are going to bet America on. Absolutely. And we we need to. And the whole issue of how unequal education is, you know, if you have money, you can put your kids in private school and they're better. They have better equipment. They have better services. And and it's just not it's not right. And we're not we we do not like socialism here at all. This isn't that this is fairness. It's the right thing to do. Um, we wish you the best of luck in your endeavors doing that. Thank you. Thank you. I can't wait to see your successes continue. It's been such an honor to speak with you, Sabrina. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Liz. It's been such a great pleasure to share the story and also be part of your orbit. I really appreciate it. Well, I had to go to small markets and get on TV. Meantime, she just shows up on television in in Los Angeles. This is an amazing side story I didn't even realize was part of your your narrative. And I just love it. And I know our listeners do, too, Sabrina. Good luck to you. Thank you. You guys, what am I telling you? You have to come in every single week and download this podcast to hear these unbelievable stories. By the way, I love hearing from you. And I started to look at some of the comments you've left. Please press the follow button and leave comments, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Google, uh, Spotify. We're on all of them. iHeartRadio, 
foxnewspodcast.com, etc. We want to hear from you. So give me your feedback. And as always, I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful day, week, whatever you're doing. And I'll see you Monday through Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern on Fox Business because I'm on the claim and countdown. See you then. Want to listen ad-free? You can do it with a Fox News Podcasts Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And then Amazon Prime members, you can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at briankilmeadeshow.com.